And then you have Visconti, who was a count and a Marxist. Welcome to The Recommendation Game, a bi-weekly film podcast where we take turns to recommend a film the other has not seen. We watch them separately and then Skype to discuss them at length. My name is Orla McNeilis. And my name is Ricardo Deek. Hi, Ricardo. Hello. This week's film was chosen by Ricardo. The film is The Leopard from 1963. Hello. Occasionally a role and a picture are so impressive that we behind the camera want to shout about it from the rooftops. I have just been privileged to work in such a picture. The film is The Leopard from the celebrated bestseller, and it provides one of the most challenging roles it's ever been my good fortune to portray. The beautiful Claudia Cardinale and Alan Delon are also starred under the masterful direction of Lucchino Visconti. As you know, The Leopard won the Golden Palm Award for the best picture of 1963, at the Cannes International Film Festival. So it is a fitting offering to come to you from 20th Century Fox, who also gave you The Longest Day and Cleopatra. As Garibaldi's troops begin the unification of Italy in the 1860s, an aristocratic Sicilian family grudgingly adapts to the sweeping social changes undermining their way of life. Pride but pragmatic Prince Don Fabrizio Selina allows his war hero nephew Tancredi to marry Angelica, the beautiful daughter of gauche bourgeois Don Calgero, in order to maintain the family's accustomed level of comfort and political clout. A stunning visualization. Nostalgia very similar to Gone with the Wind, says Bosley Crowther of the New York Times. One of the great and exciting stories of modern times, and of the man who lived like a giant through it, claiming the land and all that it bore, down to the last peasant girl. Prince, my prince. Uh, <laughs> this week's film uh, was chosen by Ricardo. Ricardo, uh, why did you pick this Visconti movie? Well, part of it is uh, because I just wanted to rewatch it. It's, um, <laughs> Sometimes that's enough. It is also like a uh, there's a link between this movie and my next pick, which is also a movie starring oh. Alain Delon. Ooh. That is <laughs> two movies that I watched for the first time during the first lockdown of ah. COVID. And this was a movie that I had in my to-do list, let's say, <laughs> to watch for years. You know, like it's like I like Visconti's other work, uh, Death in Venice and his other movies. Like uh, Death in Venice is the other major work, let's say, that he's renowned for. And like The Leopard, I've always heard great things about, but I... Just put it aside, you know, like, oh, I'll watch the other Italian One movies. Day. Yeah, I'll it's three watch. hours. It's, it's yeah, a exactly. And then there was <laughs> the, the bit of like which version to watch because there's the American version and then there's the Italian version. The American version is all dubbed into English and it's like Bord Lancaster's natural voice. But the problem with that, um, besides that it's 40 minutes shorter and I think that it will truncate it enough. There's 
the the original cut of this movie it's longer than the version that we saw but there's uh, there's footage that has gone missing let's say it's been it disappeared ah, so they weren't when they restored it yeah yeah so you see <coughs> the at moments the disappearance of that footage that they had to you the kind of like edit kind of flashbacks that were never intended to be flashbacks mm. that is, but I it's information that needs to be in the movie for it to make sense in a way so they decided to go through this route that they mentioned something like this and then it cuts back you know like yeah uh, for example whenever uh, they're going on holidays and uh, <laughs> Lancaster goes oh it was quite simple I just had to get the papers yeah. from the general and then it cuts to the general visiting the 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 house the palazzo but like the that scene is truncated as well because there are like there's footage that they couldn't rescue completely so it doesn't work as an individual scene but it works mm. in a way as, as a flashback yeah, it's, it's it's short it, it's kind of weird because you it's very clear that it's a short a flashback and it works quite well and it's a very like it's a very entertaining scene as well um but uh yeah, it's it's short in a movie that is full of very long scenes. <laughs> so. And I and I think that it is quite a uh, clever way to s s salvage the, the 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 movie. I did not know that. That makes that's really interesting. Because by all accounts, the American uh, the American version is unintelligible. Here is violence and laughter, soft tender kisses and seething passions don't be afraid i want you but i won't take you now only after we're married all the powerful tender moving moods of the monumental novel come to life on the screen you make me feel young again angelica It's one of the best shot movies of all time. Like everything looks like a fucking Renaissance painting kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, it the the attention to detail, like in the sense of this being a pure drama as well, is incredible. Even the fact that, as uh, Alex pointed out, that whenever the the servant is coming to announce somebody, that is like, oh yeah, this is a really old villa because it's from before they invented corridors. Because to get from one room to another, you just had to go through you all the fucking rooms. You just to go through rooms. every door. Yeah, I love that. Because I was at the time, I was kind of looking at it. I was like, "Why are we seeing this?" I love, I love the, uh, the like, is it the butler? I think yeah. the guy. He was just so over it. And he's just he comes in. And he's like, "Dinner is ready." <laughs> I love that. Is it Mimi? Is that his name? Yeah, Mimi. <clears throat> and uh, like, I think Roger Ebert, like so many times. Uh, put it best when he said that there was only one man that could have written that novel only one man that could have directed the movie only one man that could have starred in the movie and the first two makes complete sense but the last one it makes no sense until you watch the movie because it's like hiring poor a Lancaster. man who is not italian <laughs> not, not even italian not sicilian <laughs> yes and not even that uh, he's not even like latin descendant you know uh, no I think the um, Lancaster's performance is incredible. I think it it is 
ironically, even though his voice, you're not listening to his voice, which is, again, one of the best dubbing jobs that they've done in any movie. I do think mm-hmm. it also helps uh, the Italians in general at that time didn't shoot with onset dialogue. So it like everybody's dubbed even whenever they're being dubbed by themselves. Yeah. So it doesn't jump out the suddenly <laughs> whenever Born Lancaster speaks the is like in a studio in Rome or something. Um <laughs> And it's also the case that, like, most American actors will go in and just act it in English and then get dubbed over. But Lancaster actually learned how to speak his dialogue in Italian. He's dubbed over because, obviously, he'd have a very thick American accent because he didn't speak (laughs) Italian. But it helps with the dubbing because it's not like that he's just saying random shit and then, like... The yeah. you know like the <laughs> lips are moving accurately, <clears throat> so it sells the illusion of Lancaster being Lancaster, the the character, and again like the whoever they got to play Burt Lancaster in the dubbing is just very accurate. Is like is exactly the type of voice that you'd expect Lancaster to have in the Italian. The cadence is perfect. Yeah, like it doesn't. You get over the dubbing very quickly, especially with his character. Yeah, and I think it's also that, like, the guy is also a good actor himself. Like, the delivery is perfect. But also is that Burt Lancaster's performances, like, in general, has always been about his posture, his poise, Mm. and everything else. So I think that even his looks in this movie, like, his eyes say way more than his words would, you know, like, the, he can be piercing at times and not screaming and stuff. Uh, the guy that wrote it was the last prince of a family or whatever. His uh, estate got destroyed during World War Two, and he kind of socialism, post-fascism, Italy kind of thing. I can't remember if he had to renounce the title or if... Um, it was taken from him or whatever, but he was the last prince of his family, let's say. And But he was also like um, a loner, a kind of like semi-isolated person. So he saw his life and it, it, like the, the novel is largely based on his great-grandfather, who was a Sicilian prince ah, as well. Okay. And then you have Visconti, who was a count and a Marxist. <laughs> yeah. I love these remarks that he made this movie. It's so interesting. Yeah, but like I think that this movie is like the argument. Like I think that it's perfect. That only Visconti could do it because you need a a Marxist count to make this movie. Everything about this movie I find interesting, from like the portrayal like women, religion, like politics, the the way that the, um, the people interact with each other. Um, the way the society works and Italian society in particular. I, I like the movie that the movie doesn't stop ever to try to explain to you what the political situation is in Italy. It's just this is what's happening. This is Keep the background. Up. Keep up. <laughs> yeah. It is incredibly slow. The scenes go forever. But I think that the reason why they work and they don't, at least for me, don't drag whatsoever is that in each scene, like the starting point and the end point is so different. 
the problem with long movies is that if they don't work, it's torture. It's because <laughs> you're there, like it's like what you felt with fucking Heaven's Gate, you know. Because it's not just oh. that you're watching it and then you can <laughs> turn it up, but long movie like it's impossible to make you feel a journey without length mm. and a tv show can give you length in the sense of like oh you spent years watching these characters get from here to there but you don't have that emotion in one sitting and even whenever you're watching it like it's like a, it's like reading a book sometimes you know whenever you get a book that you inhale in like one day and it's so intense like it's 24 hours of just like <gasps> And then at the end, you're like a changed human. (laughs) Yeah, like I think that it is a very, very complex movie, but it's also like very enjoyable. I find that that is like everything that I'm saying sounds like the movie is heavy, but I think that there's a lot of comedy in the movie and a lot of entertainment (laughs) and a lot of like levity. And even within the serious parts, just because much like The Prince, the movie is very self-aware of what it's doing. So mm-hmm. you're like there with it, I think. But without further ado, uh, I do hope that you enjoyed El Gato Pardo. What did you think of The Leopard, Orla? Uh, it's funny that you brought up Heaven's Gate because uh, <laughs> I was watching this. I kept thinking about Heaven's Gate. And <laughs> because there are films of similar length and similar pace at times. Uh, and they're also two films that contain uh, very long extended dancing scenes as well. Um, uh, yeah, and yet for how, how much I loathed Heaven's Gate, I very much enjoyed this. So that was nice. It was more just every so often. I wrote down in my notes, uh, uh, why am I liking this so much? Because <laughs> I kept thinking about Heaven's Gate. Uh, they're interesting to compare as well because like, um, they shared like a similar box office fate as well like obviously this didn't bomb entirely because the italian version obviously did well but in regards to the u.s box office uh this didn't do very well uh and i find it i, I read yesterday that uh and i find it so terribly sad that uh visconti he never lived to see the extended like the release of the extended cut and the success that it gained afterwards uh i i, just, I find that so tragic considering that this film seems to have been like very dear to his heart um and like we, we've done a few of those where like the person never lived to to see their film be reevaluated, and after it having been like destroyed by someone else like not even just that like the audience wasn't ready for it but that like the studio you know didn't yeah trust they the didn't audience. get to see the movie that you yeah. actually made yeah That's, i find that really really tragic um but yeah let's let's start with uh burt lancaster <laughs> Rupert. um <laughs> i got through like the entire movie convinced that i had never seen a burt lancaster film like convinced and then it wasn't until afterwards that i was like oh he's in judgment at nuremberg oh <laughs> i felt kind of guilty because i didn't remember that he's in fucking field of dreams which we've watched together oh goodness oh my god you're right oh bert i'm so sorry yeah i don't know i i feel like i just sort of ignored him and i feel really fucking bad about that because the man is great <laughs> um i read as well that uh that this is one of his favorite performances one of his favorite projects like not just because he loved the, the the book and everything but that you know he obviously loved the end result but then again 
you know, because it was such a disaster. I don't know when Burt Lancaster died, actually, if he got to see the... Well, like, it would have been... I think he died shortly after Field of Dreams. So it would have been, like, the early 90s. So I yeah, doubt so that he, he would have seen the see it, yeah. I suppose if he, yeah. But um, Burt is kind of perfect casting, not just because of his performance, but looking him up uh, this morning, people seem to have been very obsessed with his physique. Uh, and, like, not... And, like... <laughs> Obviously, he gets his, his bath moment in this, which is hilarious. I was looking like, in my notes, I wrote, Bert is buff. Um, he's got that. I don't know what age he was when he made this, but he's got that, like, like big barrel chest and the big strong. He's this, he's just this big, strong man in a, in a very, like, in, like in a, not in a modern sense at all, but it makes him, he has this presence. He has a rock um, Hudson body. He, yes, yes, and yes, hundred percent. And considering that there's there seems to be a, a sort of a touch of tragedy to him as well, which kind of reminds me of uh, of uh, of what he called uh, Rock Hudson. Um, yeah, I I I burst out laughing like I nearly fell off the sofa when he says, "I'm a vigorous man." <laughs> when he's trying to like justify to his slimy prince or slimy priest friend. Uh, who is hilarious? Uh, that uh, why it's why really it's his wife who's the sinner because she she does not offer herself up to him, uh, which is an interesting, very like <laughs> very true to his character. I think um, what's so interesting about his physicality in this film is that he it he embodies the character so well, but it, it's it's both an actor and also a a character like a, as as a person as the prince where. He's just, he's so in command of his own body. He is, he doesn't, he doesn't think about what his body is doing ever. His body just is. And it's very comparable to Angelica because she is completely in command of, of how, uh, the effect that she has on people. She's, so when you compare her to, uh, she's obviously very sexualized in this film, but we'll talk about that. Uh, when you compare her to the daughter where she has a nervousness about her of, she doesn't really seem very much in command of herself at a lot of times. Obviously, she gets her little line in at the end, which I quite appreciated because she's totally right. <laughs> but uh, uh, when you compare, like, him and her are, are kind of, like, out of time with each other, as in, like, the prince and Angelica because of the age difference. And he knows that she is of the new generation. So, like, he, he he's never going to, like, you know, touch her. But um, as much as he might want to. But you can when you compare him, say, to any, a lot of the other male characters in the film that... They, you know, whether even people who are, if not born into at least, have bought their way into the same class as him, like, you know, even like the the mayor, like, uh, he has, you know, he's just, you know, they, they laugh at him because he doesn't have the right clothes, he's, he's wearing the wrong thing, and it's like, there's something about class that isn't even about money, it's about, like, always knowing before you walk into the room that like you're meant to be there and that's just you know and that obviously all is also a burden on Burt Lancaster's character which is very interesting because he's he's so self-aware that it's like killing him if he was just able to like enjoy the pomp like you know all the other people who are at the party but he can't because he knows <laughs> he's like oh, <laughs> I hate myself I'm gonna stare at myself when I cry um <laughs> <laughs> what I love about this, uh, there's just so many astute 
like takedowns of characters by other characters some of them are very subtle some of them are just done in looks some of them are done in like full-on uh sort of like roasts like uh the priest the priest is a very interesting character just as <laughs> because he is the symbol of the catholic church in this as well it's like <laughs> it's very very interesting uh he's so slimy and also very funny but um whenever he's in uh when they're going on holidays and they stop in like uh on like the inn, inn yeah or something and he's like downstairs there's all the common folk uh and they're like we you know wow what what's he really like and the way he talks about them is if like these people that are can stay like they do not live in the same world that we do in any sense like they the things that they are concerned about are these complete frivolities you couldn't you could never even hope to understand them and like i love that because there's so many of them are demonstrated really well in this movie of like clothing for one as being this like like just <laughs> endless fucking minefield of possible mistakes but also the thing of like greeting and uh making your goodbyes that's such a like a thing in this which i love of how like you know the way you greet somebody when you greet them if you don't greet them as soon as you get there if you leave before you have said goodbye or if you go back after you've said goodbye it's like this whole complete pointless charade that like when you compare it to everything that's going on in Italy at the time it just seems so silly and like you know like I, I love watching like period dramas and stuff and obviously Jane Austen is like my biggest uh um uh, touchstone for that um the thing about Jane Austen is as much as she's mocking uh often with absolute precision the like the the ridiculousness of the world you're very often there's no like revolution going on in the background. You know what I mean? Like you, you, you'll have characters, but like all of her main characters, although they may not be at the very top of society, they're still within the upper class. So even though they are at a disadvantage, they are female characters. You never really have like, you know, there's never any like working class people in those movies. And it's interesting in this because you get the, you get the comparison very clear and it just makes it seem so silly. And when you have a self-aware character, then it's just like, oh, this is delicious. I think uh, we should talk about like, uh, um, what you were saying about the female characters and femininity. You wanted to sexuality and stuff you wanted to you said that you'd come back to so i'm just interested in your can i can i do a little brief but on elaine delon since he is of course you can man before we get to the the ladies uh yeah no i just wanted to point i I very much enjoyed him in this film like i had no idea like what his role was going to be or anything but um because i'm so used to seeing him as the sort of like cool suave like you know jewel thief or you know where he plays where he's very much like a man a cool man in control uh, it's very fun in this because he's like, he's this sort of like proud, unscrupulous boy. <laughs> like he's such a boy in this, which I love. Like, cause it's, he's so boyish. Um, and it was funny whenever he first turns up, there's a bit whenever, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of him like jumping up things as well, where he seems to glide. Just speaking of actors who glide, where he jumps onto his carriage and it's like, you know, he just, it's like, he nearly vaults onto it. It's crazy. And then he goes off. It reminded me so much of Willoughby from uh, Sense and Sensibility, oh, yeah. um, which I think is a, it's a wonderful comparison as well, because like just, oh, right. 
I love Willoughby. Uh, <laughs> he's such an asshole. And I find that very enjoyable because, like, the, the scene when the scene when he so casually tells the prince that he's like switched to the other army as well, and he's like, you know, oh, keep up, you know, that wasn't going to stick with that. It's like, oh, it's so good. Um, he's such a little shithead, but again, the prince completely understands what he is, and that like, you know, we need him to to like, you know, my daughter is not right for him because you know, he's going to be this. Uh, politician i guess like he's gonna he's gonna go on into the world and be this like unscrupulous little prick and like you know my daughter is not right for that <laughs> like she's not which is like both cruel cruel to her but also like multiple times she she either acts or else says outright that like why would you want to leave sicily like i just want to go back to the quiet town i like my quiet life like she doesn't want to go to milan um Part of it as well is that I think that Alain Delon's character is played to a large degree, like you say, as a boy, but also he is right in pretty much everything that he does in the sense of if you take morals and ethics out of it, <laughs> not like yeah. if you're being just completely like, how can I make the best way forward for myself? Political choices. But even, like, being ruthless, even, like, with the idea of you don't even know, like, he's so good at being controlling that you never understand if any of the emotions that are depicted in the movie, both personal and political, are true. You don't mm. know, because Angelica, he knows she's the rich woman. But like, does his relationship with Bord Lancaster even a close one? Or is it, like, faked because... His own father like squ squandered his inheritance, so he needs to have a close relationship with his uncle. You know, mm. it's is this thing that is very controlled in everything that he does. Like everything seems to be not in a bad way. Like not the Alan Delon seems to be acting throughout, but Tancredi seems to be acting throughout the same way that like he needs to fight a battle and get injured in that battle. And then as soon mm -hmm. as that happens, I'm fucking leaving the army. <laughs> because then he has the, the clout that he can go and say, like, oh, I got injured this uh, this eye, like, open this or whatever. I fought with <laughs> you in Palermo. You know, it's like everything is like an objective. <laughs> and he knows before anybody else where uh, which way the wind is blowing. <laughs> so, like, uh, let's talk about, like, now that you, you, you were able to get the... Alain Delon out of your system. He's so handsome. <laughs> He's like, so handsome. I don't normally like those mustaches, but he makes it work. He's uh, well, my favorite bit of his performance is whenever he has the eye patch, quote unquote, that is like just a little bit of cloth over his eye. And then he goes to wash his face and lifts it. And there's no nothing. There's no scar or whatever. And it's just <laughs> for show. The movie is not like just making a point of it. And I think that it is genius. <laughs> it, it, you know, like it's that kind of guy that gets a little like tiny little splinter in his mm. arm. And then like, he goes in and he's wearing like a sling the next day. You he's know? Malfoy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I find myself a little conflicted but less conflicted than I was at the start of the film where particularly with Angelica's character how how she's introduced and how the first couple of scenes we see with her like I did whenever she first walks into the room and they all literally go <laughs> and 
so is so funny there's so many like laugh out loud moments in this and that's one of them where literally all the men just go oh so good and she's just like hello <laughs> uh, and her dad's just like <laughs> um but uh <laughs> yeah and then everyone's just like sort of lusting after her and then like you know she's at the dinner table and she's like laughing sort of lustfully and and then like I, I quite like the, the relationship between the two girls, even though there's a lot of time between when we see them interact with each other. So you have like, their, you know, the scene where they're just like, you know, oh, we were never so formal whenever we were children. And, you know, like we, we were, we're both like grown up now and whatever, like, you know, we can be friends. Um, but like the more the movie went on, the more interesting it became of how they, they, they show um, uh, the daughter and how... <laughs> she's just stuck in the situation where she's still in love with him she can't do anything about it and she just has to stand there and smile <laughs> and it's like there's one scene whenever she's got the engagement ring and she's like going over and she's like oh and she's like oh it's so beautiful i'm so happy for you but at the same time like whenever they're running around the house which at the start was a bit annoying. I was like, what are they doing in this fucking house? But by the time the end, by the end of the, of the scene, like a lot of it, you've learned so much and you learn a lot more about Angelica that like Angelica knows everything that's going on. You know what I mean? Like she's in command of, 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 of herself. And like, uh, it's very interesting what she says. She's like, she's still in love with you. It's like, and she's like, I understand why. Like, because, you know, you are so beautiful. He's <laughs> like, like why wouldn't you like me <laughs> it's like of course like she's not she's not like snide about it either you know she's not like oh well she can't have you because i have you you know she's just like this is just the way it is and then where she's like trying to get her she's like you know oh you were so mean to that poor guy like when they have that conversation at the end which is great um you were so you were so mean to him um and she's like it's like oh i don't even like dancing and she's like but it's 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 great when it's with someone you actually like it's like you can find someone that you like like you are you are a catch you you will be able to find somebody you know anyone will be lucky to court you which is such a like you know she doesn't try to force her to be like you know oh, you should just gone with that friend because that's like the best you can do or whatever or like you know you should be married it's like you know you should find someone who you enjoy which is like you know she's very pragmatic about it as well like yeah. it's i like their little you know and then like he walks in and it's just completely clueless <laughs> so, like, like, you know, like, i love that whenever she's like she's just so it's a combination of like hating what he's become but hating that she still loves him as well like when she runs off it's like it's great they became a lot more complex as, as the thing went on there's like a scene that you alluded to or uh like a, a description that you you mentioned that uh, lancaster accuses his wife of being the sinner because <laughs> yeah. she uh, doesn't quote unquote put out. I think th that's the, the, the way that you put it. Could give herself up to him. Exactly. <laughs> but I think that the movie does make the argument that it is like, it is her, but it's not her fault particularly. Is Yeah. Is the, why I love this movie, the complexity of it. The Lancaster has this thing about society and stuff. So, like, you have to pray. Like, he leads the family in prayer or whatever. But for him, He's that's more into like, it than the priest is. <laughs> yeah, like, but for him, it's like, get this done. Then do all the sins and go 
It's a confession. That's the cycle of life. You can't like, and then you do science as well and look out the, use your telescopes and do science and be renowned for your scientific discoveries and all all these things. You know, (laughs) you're a man of the world. But partly because of him, his wife is really religious as well. And like he says, mm-hmm. there's like I had seven kids with her, and I never seen her naked. Basically, he says that. Uh, he says her navel, which yeah. is kind of funny. <laughs> like, but even <laughs> uh, in, whenever they're having the argument over Tancredi not marrying the daughter, he kisses her, and she fucking crosses herself straight mm-hmm. after he kisses her. So it is this idea that is like, yeah, like cheating is bad and everything, but like if you have in any way you're a sexual being. And you're married to somebody that really doesn't do it. And at the end of the day... But it's very loveless as well. It's not even just the... Phys- it's not even like like the sexuality of it. It's the fact that like they do not touch. Like it's not like in that bed. It's like she's like, you know, I don't want to. But, you know, like there's no closeness. There's like a fucking, you know, <laughs> canyon between them. You know, so like it's... It's just duty and honor now, you know, there's like nothing else left and it's it's just very sad. And even though like he's obviously gone to like the extreme because you know, he can't leave her, there's no like facility for that. Um, but like it's just all very sad. But then you also have the <laughs> Because he's like he's like shut down then. Like you never see him with another woman after they leave for the holiday. But- you know, he's yeah, but you also have the, the the other bit that is like linked to this, that is like his accusation about the type of person his own daughter is, is linked to the fact that he raised it, raised her mm. that way. And is even put more to the fore whenever he they, they go to the ballroom and they go into the room where all the girls are there. And he says, this is what happens with cousins marrying each other. And... In in a way, it's kind of like a fucked up comment to say, but also like especially because at the no. time it wasn't really known, but or if it was known, it wasn't really like a taboo in society for cousins to marry. But mm. more importantly, is that his criticism is that they're having fun, and this is not the type of woman that he would allow his daughter to be. Yes. But for her to be somebody that powerful men will be attracted to or that she'd be a, become a powerful woman by her own right because she has the, the power to project in a way he wouldn't accept in his own family. So it's mm. this kind of thing that like he kind of knows it. Like I I really appreciate the Not only like you said that the characters actually have an internal life, the, the female characters, but also that when it comes to the the relationship that they have with the rest of the film, it's not a separate argument that could have been, you know, like you see a lot mm-hmm. of like movies made nowadays about like the same time period that the movie would be about like the civil war and then, oh yeah, but it's made nowadays. So now let's talk about feminism and uh, like racism in the 1860s, but it has nothing really to do with the overall like, argument of the movie it's just like the Richardson. <laughs> but you know what i mean that it's so like it bad. doesn't quite uh, uh, link everything together because yeah. it's trying to call attention to something but uh, 
not examine it. Yeah, or even if it examines it, it is examining it separately to the main thesis of the movie. So it's kind of like doing it because you'd feel kind of bad for not doing it. Mm-hmm. But I think it's that this movie shows a way forward on how to do it. That is, you almost don't even comment upon it. but And the characters don't comment upon it because it's normal life at the time. But because it makes an argument that how stupid everything is within that society. Then like this becomes equally stupid <laughs> behavior. You know, like it's not that <laughs> suddenly, you know, if the movie stopped and then it's like oh yeah and women were treated poorly you know uh-huh. like it's it being <laughs> yes i do appreciate how like realistic the movie is when it comes to like dirt like when they go yeah. to the mass when they it's arrive so in dusty. the town and they're like dust head to toe they they look like they 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 were cl- cleaning a chalkboard or something you know like yeah you feel you feel the the dirt in the you're like Ugh. Uh, the only thing that kind of annoyed me was sometimes the makeup was a little bit bad like because we spent so much time very close up in Burt Lancaster's face and you, it's a little sort of 60s at times he's, he looks a bit caked yeah <laughs> and it's kind of it's sort of weird but you, yeah, you don't really notice it after a while it's just it's funny considering like how everyone is constantly mopping themselves and I kept looking to see if you could see anything else and taking their makeup off <laughs> because it's so like obviously because like you know the lights are so strong and you have to like cut out the glare and everything and it's like the 60s but uh it was just distracting at the start but um uh it didn't uh it didn't really bother me. Oh yeah, actually, just shut it. <laughs> the, the scene where they're reading out the uh, the uh, election results and uh, <laughs> it keeps getting interrupted by the band playing and it's like, oh, it's so stupid. But my favorite part of that scene is whenever uh, uh, the prince is like smoking his cigar and he's like looking across the balcony to Angelica and then he just sort of like smirks as he turns his head. And then he's like very, very much a close up in the background, just like fireworks go off. <laughs> it's so perfect. It's so funny. There's the bit as well, whenever he's like uh, asking the mayor for Angelica's hand, and uh, whenever he's kind of like, oh, yes, I'd be happy for this to happen, he picks him up. <laughs> oh, yeah, so that fun. is the funniest thing I've ever seen. Uh, what was your favorite thing? Uh, my favorite thing, I think it's like a combination of things. Well, I'll say honorable mention first. The the fact that this movie is completely shot on location does wonders for it. That mm. even like the the interiors are set in like like the movie bankrupted the producer. And the producer knew that he was getting bankrupted, but like he'd be... Saying, like, I, I trust Visconti's vision that it will outlive anything else that I do. So it's worth every... Like, I think he spent, mm. like, a hundred grand of dollars at the time, which is, just like, a lot of money, in just flowers for the ballroom scene. <laughs> it is a crazy amount of extras, though. Extras in period costume. Yeah. Like, in that scene, in the war scene, like, it's it's crazy. I think that, the like... There's so many great like locations and like even the way that whenever they're like in the mountains, there's no bit of like, you know, 
weird projection when it cuts to like uh, a close-up or something like that you know <laughs> the just the only bit of real projection i think that the movie has is whenever they're in the carriages and okay i'll give you that like yeah, yeah. Uh, back then the size of the cameras you couldn't just like we'll kill the poor horse like you're trying to to pull the the, <laughs> the crew and everybody but when it comes to like the movie it really does a lot to sell the time and place that everything is shot on location mm. um and then you also have like honorable mentions the amazing performance by Burt lancaster think that the script i didn't know that the script was written by like half of the population of sicily but, <laughs> yeah. uh, but it's somehow it's incredibly coherent in itself you know like the the argument that you know movie is bad when it was edited by more than six people <laughs> you know what i mean that is like how yeah. how messy it had to be but there's always like the exception that proves the rule and i think that this is like an exception because it feels like there's one voice and i think it's down to visconti probably because yeah he was a control freak kind of thing and i think partly he was he has a background in theater which is a lot more collaborative 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 whatever there's more collaboration in theater than there is in cinema so like uh, um when it comes to building a story but i think that the the single best thing about this movie is the editing uh and it is in a way why the movie flows so well both on the moment to moment editing but also the overall pace editing temporal editing like i think that just the ballroom scene, ballroom scene like you know exactly where everything is what is mm -hmm. happening every moment is given enough time to breathe uh like Poor Lancaster having the argument with the colonel, and then it, like it, it's jumping from here to there, <laughs> but it's always like, oh, and what about this or what about that, you know? And there's a flow to everything that it feels just right, you know the, you know, like the scene whenever the guy comes over to, to talk politics to try to convince the prince to go to, to Turin yes. to the Senate. It's so good. It's like everybody knows what the conversation is going to be. But like, you know, to be proper, you ca you have to like be a good host first before you talk business. So there's this whole thing going through and it's like, OK, let's play cards. You'll be my partner and all these things, you know, and it's like nothing is really happening. But um, <laughs> it keeps going. It feels going. quite momentous. Yeah, exactly. And without the incredible cinematography and without the incredible performances and the very good screenplay like these moments would drag but i think that the there's no moment that you notice the editing and i think that's the best kind of editing when it comes to these movies what was your favorite thing uh i think like you it was all the things um <laughs> uh i think it's like it's it's the craft, so that that takes in acting, takes in Burke Lancaster, takes in Visconti, takes in all the the production design and everything. Um, but I think it's probably the 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 last scene because that's like the best encapsulation of everything. So everything is like sort of culminated in this point. It feels very like because he's just unraveling, and he's like he can't leave as well that's the thing it was like well he can but he cannot leave and like he just 
he's going from scene, he's going from room to room, just like slowly getting sweatier and more stressed, having more of a, what is essentially a kind of panic attack. And like, <laughs> when it, like, he gets this one little moment of this dance and then whenever like he tells them to go off and have, uh, have food by themselves, don't think of me, you know, just like off you go. And then whenever he goes to leave and, uh, He's like, oh, where, where are you going? He's like, oh, I'm, going to, I'm going to walk. I'm fine. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. And then he just like goes off and just like quietly walking in like the dawn. It's so, it's so tragic. Oh yeah, and then you and, see like, the, 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 the priest going in to give the last rites probably to somebody in this little yeah, hut. Because he, he, he kneels and I'm like, there must be something going on. Like, you know what I mean? That it's like sort of in the way that like if you see a funeral you know, you stop and you, you know, you bless yourself and all that kind of thing. What was your least favorite thing? My least favorite thing is that the longer version doesn't exist. <laughs> like, I think that, like, yeah. I could do with another 20 minutes of this movie. It's like, it, it's a movie much like Burt Lancaster in this movie. I think it's a movie that, that is, I really much enjoy its company. And it's, yes. uh, it, like, again, a terrible movie that is three hours long. It's about as fun as getting like a nail put in between your toenail, but um, <laughs> but this is like you know when it's three hours of just pure, like you say, craft, imagination, execution, mm. everything. But uh, it's both pleasant, entertaining, but uh, very much intellectually. Uh, satisfying as mm. uh, a piece of art that there's very few films that combine all of that that you're able to almost pause after every scene to discuss what both like first cinematically and then politically and then artistically <laughs> what the movie each scene is talking about but at the same time it never feels like a movie giving you a fucking lecture which is incredible mm. like it's a movie that uh, says so much and yet so little like it's just like you're saying it to yourself for you're watching it and then <laughs> it just makes you want to know more about the film and the time period and how it was made and stuff and it's like this almost kind of like fake period because it's not that i long for sicily in the 1860s i long for sicily in the 1860s in this movie <laughs> you know what i mean it's it doesn't yeah. exist it never I existed i want to walk around those houses <laughs> with no hallways what was your least favorite thing probably the same even though like i think they're they're definitely able to to weave in those scenes that aren't complete without it seeming jarring like there's nothing you're saying like you never notice the editing in this ever like not at any point um but i would be so curious to see what that would be like yeah you know of like to see the full like the full vision because i hate stuff like oh it's the vision of the director but uh but it's not just his vision it's also the vision of like the 20 people who wrote the script and like probably burt lancaster's vision for his character and everything else it's like you know, you, you kind of want to see that because so many people put so much heart into this. Um, but in saying that, I think this 
this version is a very good tribute to all those people. Yeah. Um, yeah, very, very enjoyable. Um, hopefully it'll eventually get back on the Criterion at some point. I'm sure they'll do another Visconti uh, season or something and it'll get back on there. But um, yeah, very, very good. Worth, if, worth seeking out, worth sticking three hours with. And if it does, uh, if Visconti season comes in, I also recommend watching Death in Venice. It's a interesting movie. So if they want to go back and uh, uh, listen to our... Uh, breakfast at New York <laughs> episode. Uh, here is talking about Burt Lancaster once again. Uh, I also go back and we've done a few Elendalon films as well. So uh, where can they find us? They can find us on Facebook, The Recommendation Game, on Twitter at The Rec Game. The Recommendation Game at gmail.com is the email. We are on Dublin Digital Radio every second Monday, 11 to 12. And we can, you can listen to our back catalogue on Spotify or your podcaster of choice and on the Dublin Digital Radio Mixcloud. Next week's film is chosen by Orla. What is yes. next week's film, Orla McNeilis? Sisters with Transistors. It's another documentary. It is delightful. And uh, yeah, don't, don't, look, don't look it up. Just watch it. <laughs> <laughs> some kind of mechanics involved and those <laughs> mechanics will be women that's all i know very good my powers uh, of deduction are amazing go only go this far <laughs> uh fantabulous well until then i was ordemides and i was ricardo deacon thanks for listening see you next week or the week after whenever bye